Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to my first episode of The Social Remedy. This episode was previously recorded, and since I've recorded this episode, there's been a lot going on in the world. And I wanted to add this into the podcast so I can share my stance on what's been going on. My stance is that I stand with the Black Lives Matter movement. And I understand that I will never be able to understand. However, I will always stand with you. That being said, I hear you, I see you, and I want to learn more. And I want to help in any way I can. As a social worker, as a human being, I want to change the world. I'm going to add links into the description of this episode for you guys to be able to donate to this movement and donate to different organizations that are involved in this movement. And I will continue to advocate and support everyone throughout this movement. I want to thank you guys all for tuning in to my first episode of The Social Remedy, and I hope you enjoy the rest. Thanks, guys. Hey guys, it's Rachel. If you're listening to this, I'm assuming you've listened to my teaser episode. And I just want to welcome you to The Social Remedy. Um, I want to introduce myself. So this episode is going to be a little bit of an about me. So if you're listening to this, thank you. Let's start off by saying I did not know that I was going to be starting a podcast during a pandemic, but here we are. So I just want to kind of tell you what my goal is for the podcast and just tell you about like how I got here. In my teaser, I told you guys what I do. I'm a therapist and I specialize in eating disorders and other mental health disorders but let me tell you how i got there so yeah again my name is rachel and i live in arizona i actually grew up i was born and raised in illinois typically i say chicago but i'm assuming that a lot of people listening to this right now who know me know that i did not live in chicago i feel like people who live in Illinois just say that they live in Chicago because it's like the most known city there. But I was 45 minutes outside of the city. So if that counts for anything, there you go. So I'm gonna take you way back for a second to high school. Did horrible. I mean, literally, I had a boyfriend in high school and that's like all I focused on. Left with like a GPA in the two point something. I mean, really was doing great. Anyways, so when it came to applying for colleges, I applied to multiple Illinois colleges, rejected from every one. I finally applied to Western Illinois. Um, It was like literally my last choice. Wasn't the one that I really wanted to go to, but my parents were dead set on the fact that I needed to go away to a university and not go to community college. So I applied, got in and I went. My freshman year, I met some of my closest friends. I guess what I wanted to say about this topic is that I'm pretty 
successful, I guess, in my field for right now. I'm only two years out of grad school. And I just want people to know that you can do it no matter what. Like I was doing horrible in high school and I still was able to get to where I wanted to be today, which I don't even know how, I was gonna say how many years ago that was, but to be honest, I'm horrible at math. And also, I don't really wanna know how long ago I was in high school. It's probably gonna make me upset. Anyway, so I went to Western. I kind of fell into social work. I was really interested in psychology, but I think social work was more my speed because it was more of like a person in environment approach. When you look at psychology, you're looking more at like within the brain and what it does and why you do the things you do, why you do these behaviors. and. While that was super interesting to me, I felt like social work was more my speed. So I fell into that. I met one of my best friends right off the bat freshman year. We're still close to this day. I talk to her weekly. So I met her actually, we walked together to our first social work class. It was awesome. But yeah, so I met friends. Freshman year had some, you know, tough times, wanted to go home, was, I was like a, a major homebody when I was younger. Like really didn't want to be apart from my family, but I'm in the long run really glad that I actually went away because then I wouldn't, I truly wouldn't be where I am today without going to Western Illinois. But yeah, so then sophomore year came around and I joined a sorority. I was super nervous, but I found my forever home at Delta Zeta at Western Illinois, which is the Epsilon Omicron chapter. I loved it. I mean, I instantly had a family. I met lifelong best friends that are gonna be in my wedding. And I know people always say like, if you're in a sorority, you pay for your friends. I didn't pay for my friends. I paid for the house that me and my friends spent every night in. I paid for the millions of shirts that I bought and I paid for a good time and genuine genuine family and relationships were created from joining the sorority and I got a lot of philanthropy opportunities out of it and it was amazing and I would never take it back. I guess I could probably go a little bit more in depth with that on another episode I'm just about like sorority life and what that was like for me and how now maybe that relates to mental health so much more than I really recognized when I was in it and younger and when I say younger I I mean, like, I'm not that old, so. <laughs> I, I became president of my social work student association, and that best friend I told you about that I met, like, I met her the summer prior to starting freshman year, but I met her in person my first day of school. And so we actually walked together to our first social work class. I became the president of our social work student association and she like right by my side was the vice president. It was great working with her. But then fast forward through sophomore year to junior year, my family moved to Arizona. My dad got a job out here. My mom and my brother moved out about a year after my dad did. And it was, it was tough because like I said, I was a homebody and I wanted to be close to my parents and I went from being a four-hour drive from Western to where I grew up in Gurney, Illinois to a four-hour flight and that was super hard for me. My friends always tell me this story about the day that my dad dropped me off for my junior year in my apartment with a few of my sorority sisters. We were all hanging out and I like disappeared and when they were looking for me they found me in my room <laughs> in a corner crying. 
that was like how much of a homebody I was. I was like, I don't want to be far away from my parents and my brother and my dog. I, I really just have such a close relationship with my family that to me, that was like out of the question. But I knew that for my future, I needed to stay at Western. I'm also like super huge in like being scared that I'm going to regret something. I feel like that's like one of my biggest fears is like regret. Like I don't want to make a decision and then regret it. So I I like to think ahead of the game and like think like I ask myself am I gonna regret this in five years and if my answer is yes I don't do it well I try not to do it sometimes my heart or my mind may take me to another route but yeah so I, I spent my junior year again in my sorority my sorority sisters living my best life at Western then it got down to you know kind of trying to figure out where I wanted my life to take me when you're a senior in the social work degree undergrad at Western, you've got to do an internship. And I remember our teachers always saying like, it's a really great idea to do this where you want to work because maybe they'll hire you after. And I was like, well, what am I going to do? A lot of my friends were leaving to do like their internship in their hometowns in Illinois. I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do? So after thinking about it, I was like, well, maybe I can do my internship in Arizona where my family was. And then I spoke to like my director of the of the social work program and she was like, well, you would have to like fly me out a bunch and we would have to do all this and that. And I was like, you know what? Let me look into what it would be like for me to transfer. I know, crazy, transferring my senior year of my undergrad, what was I thinking? But again, I asked myself, am I going to regret this? And I, to be honest with you, I didn't know. But right now, sitting where I'm sitting, I'm like, if I didn't leave, I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't have learned everything I've learned while I've been here. I wouldn't have had the opportunities that I have here. So I'm thankful. But if that doesn't give it away, then yes, I did decide to move to Arizona and I transferred to ASU. Transferring my senior year was tough because if you think about it, like I said, from day one of freshman year, I had had my people, I had my group, I had the people that I thought I was going to experience all of college with and that wasn't with me in Arizona. And I feel like I, went, I moved here at like 21. At 21, people have established friendships, they've established relationships, they've established their lives. And then here I was, a fresh girl on campus, not knowing anyone and living with my parents, by the way, like I moved back in with them, which was definitely different you know, having to lived like on my own in an apartment with sorority sisters, moving back and living with my parents. It was really weird. So yeah, I, I went to Arizona State and obviously transferring, not all my credits transferred. I needed to do an extra semester. Um, I did a summer semester and I finished my bachelor's degree. I met amazing people. I met on one of my first days of my undergrad. I met one of my closest friends who I'm still close with today. And I mean, I'm, I'm very personable. So I, I mean, I think I am, but but I, I make friends pretty easily. So I was okay, you know, right in the beginning, making a friend right off the bat. It was, it was tough, but you know, I met people who have similar interests and that's kind of how relationships start anyway. So um, I just worked my magic and made people like me. When I was a senior in undergrad at ASU, I met a professor and in her class, we had to like find a place to volunteer. And I was like, couldn't think of any place 
place to volunteer here. I didn't really know anything. And she kind of hooked me up and found this one organization called Arizona Safe Baby Haven. And she introduced me to, at that time, he was the assistant director. And we met for coffee and just talked. And I kind of found a passion in the organization. And that's something that I definitely am going to focus on in another episode. And I don't want to give too much away right now because I think it's a great episode in itself. So I'm going to save that for then, but just to like say a little bit about it without giving too much away. I met this professor and she introduced me to him and I started interning for them and doing just projects and creating these relationships. I mean, this organization became my family and it's all about networking, especially I feel like in social work, you know people, it's like a small kind of community in specific areas within social work as well. So like there's like policy administration, which they have like their little community, right? Like network of people and then there's behavioral health which is like typically my interest and it's a small kind of community again where like you don't want to burn any bridges right because you may have a boss now who's your boss six years from now or you work with six years from now who knows but the assistant director from safe haven got me my first job after I graduated with my bachelor's. I was working at a behavioral health for ages birth to five, just doing case management and kind of like getting myself in the field. I remember a lot of professors would say like, a lot of students go straight from bachelor's to master's, but after you do all that schooling, it's almost like you don't have any experience in the field. And so that is like not as marketable as it would have been if I didn't, I took like eight months off in between my bachelor's and my master's and that was like the best decision because then I got that experience. In between there actually, I did, you know, have my hand in the car business for a hot minute. Worked at Acura, worked at Range Rover Jaguar, which were both great. I mean, working at Range Rover was incredible because they let me drive the Range Rovers. And I mean, like I was just cruising down Scottsdale, living my best life in a Range Rover sport. And who doesn't like that? But it was great. I met people, I met baseball players, I met all these like athletes and actors getting their Range Rovers serviced or Jaguars serviced. It was so fun because obviously I I love like pop culture. I love like, um, I get really starstruck easily. Like I could literally see you, like you could be an extra, all right? on an episode of Law and Order SVU. And if I see you, I'm like gonna be a little bit starstruck. It's just who I am. I just like love famous people. I don't know what it is. Yeah, so then I got my hand out of the car business and to be honest, don't think I'll ever go back to that. So I then left the behavioral health agency and the car dealership and started my master's program, which on my first day of my master's program, I met another one of my closest friends. So it was, I don't know, just happens to be like the first day. I actually met her in like the parking lot when I was paying for my parking. So it was super interesting. I'm gonna have her on an episode too. It'll be really great. So yeah, then I went, I did my master's program, which was ridiculously hard. I mean, crying in the bathroom multiple times kind of hard. Obviously I said, I think a little bit in the beginning that I'm horrible at math. I had to take all my math and science classes at a community college, honestly looking at a math equation, I instantly get this like knot in my throat and I wanna cry. 
I don't know why math does that to me, but it does. So avoided it at all costs. And maybe that's why I went into social work because there's literally no math involved. So we did that. It was, I did like an accelerated program. So it was actually only 12 months, the 12 longest months of my actual life. It was, I did a capstone, which is a really tough subject to this day. It was like a thesis type paper. It was like 85 pages and I got a freaking C on it. And I mean, like to this day, I tell this story all the time. My two friends that I met, one two of my closest friends that I met in my master's program, we worked on our thesis slash capstone together for weeks and weeks and weeks. I spent eight hours a day at a Starbucks, multiple days a week writing this paper, right? I blood, sweat and tears, like literal blood, sweat, and tears. And we're in a class, we're getting it back. It's like the big day. Like we get to see what we got on our capstone. Everyone's talking about it. Obviously I'm nervous. I'm like literally on the verge of tears. Then our teacher hands it out, okay? And everyone's super excited and happy. And I pull a full blown like escape, right? I see my paper, I see that I got a C. Mind you, remember in high school, I did horrible. But in college, I was killing it. Like I was getting A's. When I got a B, I would be upset. I was all A. So when I saw a C, my heart fell into my stomach. And I was like, I gotta get out of here. So I took my paper, left, didn't say one thing to my friends who were sitting right next to me reading theirs and literally dipped and just got in my car, cried, and my friends here and at, in Illinois track me on that app, find my friends. So I turned my tracking off so you couldn't, so no one could find me. And I left and I went home. I had like 15 text messages from my friends. Like, where did you go? Rachel, why can't we see you? Where are you? And then I like sulk a little bit more, turn my tracking back on, text back. And I just tell them why I was upset. I'm like still shocked that I got to see. I feel like that was like, not the correct grade I should have gotten, but I mean, whatever, I'm still where I'm at, so it's fine. But I'm still going to one day, maybe I'll be able to talk to my old professor and figure out why she thought it was a good idea to give me a C. Definitely deserved an A, especially with all the blood, sweat, and tears, like I said. And money spent at Starbucks because, okay, I get Starbucks like every single morning already. Imagine spending like eight hours a day. I mean, you can't just get one Starbucks drink, right? That's just not something that could happen. Anyways, that was just my little rant on Capstone because I'm known to rant a lot and I'm also known to talk about this dang Capstone. Anyways, during my master's, I did an internship. Did an internship at an inpatient psychiatric unit in a hospital and a mental health intensive outpatient program. It was one of the best experiences that I've ever had working at inpatient psych. I always say I am not an adrenaline rush type of girl. Like you're not gonna get me skydiving. You're not gonna get me doing anything like super risky. But let me tell you working in a psych unit, that's the adrenaline rush I need guys. Like that will do it for me. It's always something new. You never know what you're gonna get. Crises all the time. Like it does give me an adrenaline rush and I don't know if that's weird, but it's okay. And sometimes I am weird and that's okay and people I love accept me for that. So <laughs> I did that and then I kind of like fell in love with psych and with behavioral health and it's just like my passion now. My intern supervisor, I had two. One of my intern supervisors there actually quit 
around the time that I graduated. And she was like, Rachel, I am going to work in eating disorders. Do you want to come with me? And I'm like, oh, no. And I literally never wanted to be a therapist. It was li literally the last thing I wanted to do, like if I had to do it. But I was like, okay, I had to think about it because when you graduate from your master's, it's not that easy to find a job like everyone thinks it is. Like I didn't want to settle. So I went in and I interviewed and it was for a residential treatment, which is higher level of care, which, you know, I like I said, I like inpatient stuff. So I was like, all right, you know what? The pay was good. The pay was more than I've ever seen, but that was just because I was working in a car business and like as a case manager with a bachelor's degree. So obviously I wasn't making that much, but I was like, you know what? I'll give it a shot. And here I am two years later in that same spot, absolutely loving what I'm doing as a job. I'm a therapist. I work with primarily adolescents from ages. The youngest I've had is they just turned 12 and the oldest 18. I dabble in the adults a little bit, you know, doing groups or meeting with them when I need to. But my passion is the adolescents just because I always say like you can see the hope in their eyes and you like still have this chance. They haven't been to college yet. Most of them haven't finished high school. Like things can still turn around. Not that it can't for adults, but for adolescents you like can you can see the change and you can see them. I get pictures from high school graduations from my patients who have left and moved forward in their life. And I've gotten pictures and messages of my patients being accepted into college. Like they were on the verge of dying when they came into my care and they worked their butts off to get themselves to recovery. And now they're going to college living their lives like that is amazing to witness and to watch and it's just been so incredible i've learned a lot and i've been you know obviously i think that i was my mom always tells me that i'm a natural born leader and i know that's my mom so she, maybe she's a little bit biased but i would love to have management positions and i would love to one day be a clinical director and i'm just working up to it so i mean it's a long journey i'm working towards my independent license i can test in a few months which everyone needs to say a prayer for me i'm not a great test taker i literally was thinking about going back for my doctorate degree I'm like getting a doctorate in behavioral health and then i took like a cpi class i don't know if you guys know what that is but it's like crisis prevention intervention so it's like how to get out of a hold or how to like restrain somebody we don't do that at my full-time job but on the weekend job that i, I work on which i haven't even gotten to yet but i do work on the weekends at an inpatient psych hospital just to give myself a little bit more of that adrenaline rush but there we do they do more hands-on so i was in that class and i Literally, it was only like a four and a half hour class. And within the first 45 minutes, I'm like, oh my God, I can't do this anymore. So if I couldn't even make it 45 minutes in a class that actually somewhat interests me, there's absolutely no way I could go back and get my doctorate. I just couldn't, I don't think I have the focus for it right now. Maybe in the future, who knows? I wanna do more episodes on eating disorders. I don't wanna like drown you guys with information right now because I feel like I have so much to say. 
which is why I have a podcast, but I want to like make it the right way and I want to give it the right information to you with the right people. My plan is, is to have one of my close friends who's a dietitian that I work with on here because there's so many myths out there about eating disorders, about food, about diet culture, about, about society as a whole that I, I need to get the message out there. And that's why I'm doing this podcast. I'm doing it because there's a stigma that comes along with mental health and mental health is anything, right? You don't even have to be diagnosed with a diagnosis of any mental health disorder to struggle with, with things in the mental health realm. But I want people to understand that mental health is okay. It's okay to struggle with depression and anxiety and PTSD and OCD and trauma memories and P I think I already said PTSD, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I want you guys to understand that there's a stigma and I want to break the stigma. I want to show you guys what mental health means. I want to talk to people who are struggling with other mental health disorders and normalize it because it's not normalized enough. I can't say everyone. Majority of people struggle with anxiety that's normal I probably could say everyone to be honest with you because if you don't have anxiety then I'm not 100% sure what to say about that anxiety protects us anxiety keeps us safe if I didn't have anxiety and I was faced in front of a bear I would be eaten by the bear but if I was faced with a bear and I had anxiety and my body went into fight-or-flight mode I would likely survive well maybe not me because um yeah, there's absolutely no way I could outrun a bear, but that's not the point. <laughs> the point is, is that mental health and having struggles with mental health is normal. And especially we're in a pandemic right now. This is trauma. What we're living through right now, what we're experiencing is traumatic. And mental health workers, therapists, social workers are going to be on the front lines of this pandemic for years to come. It's a new lifestyle and we have to guide people to getting through that and getting through the trauma that this has caused. I don't want to keep rambling on, but what I want you guys to know is that I'm here for you and I can't wait to share the things that I have to say with you guys and I hope that you enjoy it. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's majority going to be my friends and maybe my family, but hey, I mean, welcome and I am so thankful you guys are here. I wouldn't have gotten into this as if it wasn't for one of my closest friends and family members who pushed me to be my best and to finally order the microphone and get things going and edit my podcast and all of that stuff. So I'm truly, truly, truly thankful for every single person in my life that supports every single thing that I do, including this podcast that will most likely have five views, but I love you five. So with that being said, I want you to come along for this ride that I'm going on and hold on tight because who knows where Rachel Hoffman is going because I definitely don't. But welcome to The Social Remedy. Remedy.